Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I would say one of the things that I recognized and it took way too long was <laughs> I'm not a great manager of people. I tend to micromanage sure. and I would go to these mastermind roundtables that I had in the marketing world uh, that I paid money to and they would do a hot seat of my business and I would complain about how I was having all these labor problems and that my staff, I'd hire these editors and they wouldn't to say things the way I wanted it said or position the way I wanted. Welcome to Think Business with Tyler, sharing our methods and strategies for success. Join in on our conversations with business owners as we highlight their triumphs and detail how they overcame the challenges they faced while continuing to grow and scale their business. It's time to think life, think success, and think business with your host, Tyler Martin. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening in to this week's episode of the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. Today, I want to introduce you to Mickey Kennedy. Mickey is the founder and CEO of eReleases. Mickey founded eReleases 22 years ago with the sole purpose to help small businesses and startups increase their presence through press releases. I bet you're thinking, do press releases even work in 2021? Well, that's exactly what we discussed in the show. And I think you're going to be surprised with what you hear. Mickey believes that publicity shouldn't be restricted to the big guys only. That's why he tries to educate small business owners on how to craft the perfect press release for their business. In this episode, we chat about the power of press releases for small businesses and how they can improve your brand image, why strategy matters when coming up with a good press release, and Mickey's biggest business challenge that he solved and yet most business owners can't. I hope this episode will get you some ideas about growing your brand visibility. It certainly got me thinking about my business and how press releases fit in with my promotion. Sit back and enjoy this episode. I can't wait to hear your thoughts. Hey, Mickey, thanks so much for being on the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Tyler. Glad to be here. Yeah, thanks a lot. So, hey, I wanted to start with a little bit about yourself, about your business, what you're doing now. If we could just start that way, it'd be awesome to hear your what you're doing. So I am the president and founder of eReleases. I started almost 23 years ago, and uh, it's designed to help small businesses, authors, and startups increase their visibility and credibility through press releases. It's uh, started as an idea while working at a telecom startup as employee number three, and I was in charge of sales, marketing, and PR, and I was uh, faxing out press releases. And I started to get an influx of journalists calling to say if I could email it to them because we published a lot of telecom traffic and statistics. And they 
thought it would be easier to work with in a Word document. So I mentioned it to my boss and he said, it sounds like an interesting business idea. And I spent about a year contacting journalists and seeing if they would be in my database. And almost everyone said, yeah, it was really you know cool then. And I launched uh, about a year after that with 10,000 journalists in my database. Over the years, PR Newswire reached out to me and said, I should also send my releases through them. And I pointed out that I'm charging a couple hundred dollars and they charge a thousand dollars to move a press release nationally. And uh, we put our heads together. And over time, they sort of understood this, the small business community that I serve. And uh, we created ways in which it would make sense for them to do it. Like most of our releases are scheduled for next business day so that their overnight staff, which generally uh, doesn't have a lot of hours, but they've got a lot of time, can prep our releases and get them ready for the next day without costing them additional labor. So it's become a win-win sort of situation between others and the newswire. And it's just one of those uh, ways in which uh, our clients get, you know, a wider dissemination of their press release. Now, 23 years, going on 23 years is a long time. I'd just be curious before I, I want to talk a little bit about your business. Before I do that, I'd be just curious, how has the press release world changed in the last 20 years? Because obviously, you know, 15 years ago, things were a lot less automated than they are now. How does that change impact your business? What has changed in that world? I'd be curious. Right. So... The press release world's got really muddied with syndication. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that do syndication of press releases to various websites. Pure Web is one of the bigger examples, but it doesn't reach journalists. And I've actually had people argue with me that, no, that's not right, that it does reach journalists. And even Pierre Webb says we're online visibility and syndication. We don't reach journalists. And so that's really confused people. So when you see Newswire in the name, you have to put your guard up and say, is this a real newswire? Am I actually going to be reaching journalists, not just uh, have my press release syndicated to a bunch of news sites, places on those news sites where nobody pays attention? So the three big newswires that exist in the US, uh, there's been some consolidation or PR Newswire, uh, Business Wire, and uh, Globe Newswire. And that's it. You know, If your service doesn't include one of those three, it's not going over a Newswire. A lot of people will say it goes over AP. AP will lease a section of their website that's buried in a folder that no one sees. It's not a Newswire press releases. AP's business model is to set, license articles to newspapers. And everything that they run on their proper network has been written by them. And it's a it's an article. It's not a press release. And so uh, there's a lot of confusion and a lot of noise out there. And it just makes my job harder to explain to people why, unfortunately, it costs money to send out a release and to actually send out over a newswire. Uh, the other big thing that I've seen is a progression of what is media. Uh, 15 years ago, it was hard for bloggers to get treated with any respect with the newswires. And now today, you know, Instagram influencers can sign up on PR Newswire to receive fashion press releases because they're a big deal. And if you're a notable social media influencer in a certain space, you're treated as a part of the media. And the Newswire now is very accepting of it. So I, I do like that aspect of it. So it is growing, it's becoming more diverse. You know, what 
a press release gets turned into is changing as well. Used to always be articles or a mention in a, a newspaper or a trade publication, but now people are beginning to incorporate announcements and put them in a video format or even uh, an audio format with the uh, you know visuals as well. So it's an exciting time. There's always people who say the press release is dead, and to those people, I've got clients who are just killing it. You know, getting uh, routinely twelve to sixteen articles for every press release that they issue. And uh, it does work and it does provide considerable leverage for the right business. So you mentioned, you know, if you send a general, if you send a press release, high probability, you're just sending it to newswires. There's three major services that you can use and they're actually getting into reporters' hands. Can you kind of dig down, like, what's the difference in those two? Like, why does that matter? Well, if you want your press release to be turned into an article and have someone write about you, you got to get it in front of a journalist. We do the email distribution that we've always done, uh, but we also use the newswire. You know, the leverage of a newswire is amazing. Last year, we did a press release for the Dining Bond Initiative, which was designed to help restaurants that were closed during the pandemic. And it was uh, set up so that you could support your favorite local restaurant and the money would immediately go to them. And you would basically get a gift certificate, double the value of what you paid. And it uh, got picked up in under over 150 articles, uh, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, New York Times, all the food magazines and trade publications picked it up. And uh, it just went wild and millions of dollars in revenue was created and you know given to these restaurants from just a single press release. And that's the real magic of leverage that can happen with a press release that I don't care how good you are at Google ads or Facebook ads, you're never going to pour two or $300 into something and get millions of dollars as a return. So it is exciting when something like that happens. But I also will acknowledge that that's a perfect storm. That was you know something at a negative news time where you had something very positive and actionable where people felt helpless and they were able to actually help and you know make a difference. So it did really well. Uh, but that being said, on a smaller scale, it's not unusual for my successful clients to get you know 12 to 18 articles routinely for every press release that they do. Let me ask you this. I see press releases a lot. And typically they're like XYZ, Joe XYZ got promoted to vice president or something like that. Is there an art or is it a strategy? Like, How do you get reporters interested in writing an article about what you're doing a press release on? Is that an art? Or like, if I walked in today, I'm a business coach, You know, what would be my angle? Do you mind kind of asking, you know, answering that and kind of helping me understand it? Sure. So I'm going to say when I started, I thought it was like, 80% well-written press release. Okay. And now I realize that you can get by with a mediocre press release and do quite well. It's the strategy behind it. So mm. is it a strategic press release? So in your case, my go-to, if you want to be newsworthy, is to do a survey or study. Okay. And uh, you know, right now, we're in a transition. We're coming out of a pandemic. Who knows what is waiting around the corner? Could be the Delta variant, could be something else, or it could be behind us. But there's a lot of people that are uneasy right now. So if you were to you know, look at your community and give them a survey that just sort of took their temperature and says, how do you feel about the future? How do you feel about your ad spend or marketing spend? How do you feel about you know, hiring? And you asked a lot of pointed questions about this time and place to your community, I think that the journalists would really like that, especially if, if you've narrowed down the audience that you're really trying to reach. 
a lot of my customers have pushed back and said, well, I don't know who to send a survey to. I don't have a large customer base or you know leads base that I could send to. And I always say, is there a trade association, ideally a small or independent trade association in your space? And usually there is. And uh, they are willing to send that survey link to their members, both social media and email. If you just ask and say, I'm doing a press release and a survey, and I would love to mention you as part of uh, the survey. And we're going to be issuing it over a proper newswire, your e-releases with Pierre Newswire. Generally, the small and independent trade associations love media attention because they don't get all the love that the large trade associations do. So that's a great resource and has worked really well for a lot of my customers who are really trying to, to get some results. But generally, if you have 100 or more respondents, you know, you're taking seriously by the media, the more the better. I think that, you know, three or 400 is a really good goal to sort of have to try to get uh, respondents. We had an auto repair shop in Pennsylvania that was looking for auto trade links uh, for SEO purposes. And they did a survey and they got around 800 people from a trade association to complete it. And it went viral. It got like 10 auto trade publications writing about it, big auto trade uh, publications. And um, probably, I would say, 14 to 16 uh, newspapers. Most of them were, them were smaller, but their local newspaper picked it up as well. And it did really well. And the one thing that they learned from me is always throw in one or two oddball questions. You may not use them, but sometimes you'll be surprised at the results you get. And the one that they asked was, what's the strangest thing a customer left in their car while being repaired? And we left a couple of uh, a field long enough for people to put a couple sentences. And there were some really crazy experiences and stories that people put in there, like a boa constrictor. Grandma was left in an urn. They had to retrieve her for the memorial service. It was just, you know, weird little quirky things that the media really responded to. And I think we ended up publishing. 50 to 70 of the top ones that we thought were the most interesting. And uh, the articles didn't include all of them, but they may have highlighted 10 or 20. And it was just fun and refreshing to see that and see how well it did. And that's something that anyone can do. This is just a local auto repair shop in New Jersey. They're not experts at anything other than maybe repairing your car if you live in the community. But, you know, they often that survey. And, you know, as a result of getting it out there uh, through a press release, they got to enjoy the links and the media attention that it created. Now, a couple questions came out of that. In terms of press releases for local businesses or just businesses in general, are they generally more effective for just staying within your local region or can they nationally be effective? I mean, who's typically your target type client that's going to benefit the most? Right. So I work with a lot of e-commerce and startups that are selling nationally or even internationally. So we try to target nationally. I always tell people, if you are only focused on local and you only serve a local market, you really don't need to pay for a service like mine to get the media attention out. It's really hard for people to, to think this through, but in your market, there's probably less than 10 people who would ever write about you. Find out who they are, get their email address, you can call and ask uh, if you have a name, uh, what's their email address and say, I'd like to send them a story idea and they'll give it to you. It's not like they're trying to hide who they are. They are supposed to be accessible. You might find out that a couple might prefer Twitter 
or, or something like that. But you know, find out how they want to be communicated with. Ask their email for the email address, and they'll tell you. And then just build this personal Rolodex and reach out to them. It's uh, you know, in your market, it's probably a local paper, maybe some community papers. Uh, if you're lucky enough to have a business magazine or business newspaper, someone there. Just familiarize yourself with the publication and, and try to get a feel for what writer or a couple of writers there would probably write about uh, your business. You could also take it to TV and radio. Uh, sometimes they do spotlights and segments where they talk about people in the community. Figure out what segment works well for you. In those cases, you're going to be wanting to reach the producer or the booker, not the host of the of the show. But again, once you get that email address, all you have to do is reach out to them. And I tell people it's good practice to try to reach out four times a year or as you have milestones in your business that you want to share. Stay in touch with your what's going on in your industry. If you see trends, you know, bring it to the local media's attention. Say, hey, I'm seeing in my industry this is really hot and I feel like I would be a great subject to talk about X, Y, and Z. You know, here's my details. You don't need a press release for this. All you need is a pitch, an idea. And so I say local media is the easiest to get and it's the easiest to get by you. And you can establish those relationships directly with a handful of journalists. And over time, as you give them ideas and interact with them, you'll become top of mind so that when they are working on a story where you'd be a good person to plug in, they'll do that. And that's one of the reasons you often see the same companies again and again in your local newspapers, because they're just accessible and all over the place. And they're the first company that comes to mind when a journalist is writing a story where they need someone to plug in. Right. They have established a relationship. I do have another question. In terms of your services, where do you come in? Like, are you helping that client strategically coming up with the survey? Or is it turnkey? You just like kind of turn it on, the client turns it on and you do the whole process? Is it kind of they bring the survey results to you and then that's where you start off? How does that fit in with your services? Right. So it depends. I mean, we offer writing services, we offer a more strategic, where we handle everything for you, but it's really expensive and I don't recommend it. It's like 20,000 a year for 12 press releases. And yeah, we'll handle the survey and everything. I have a free masterclass where I explain how to do the survey, how to do it yourself, how to build out a PR campaign of strategic ideas. And it's completely free. It's at ereleases.com forward slash plan, P-L-A-N. And I would just encourage anybody to watch that masterclass. It's less than an hour. If you you know don't walk away with several ideas for strategic press releases, I'd be really surprised. And I would challenge you to go back and think creatively looking at the ideas that I presented there. Once you have the ideas, uh, we could write the release for you. You know, you would have to do the survey and get the results, or you can build the press release yourself. Just do a search for press release sample, press release template, and there's a lot out there. It's not, I used to think it was really important that you had to have a polished, perfect press release. And now I think it's it's really what's in the press release that matters. So always focus on a really compelling quote. You want to make sure that what you say that's a quote can't be easily paraphrased because a lot of times the quotes get taken out just because you're not saying anything that's really, you know, beautiful or really meaningful. So if you are creative, that's the place to put a little little uh, flourish 
and really hone your skills and your headline. Your headline's the most important part because that's where a journalist will determine whether to click through to read the rest of the release. And uh, I would challenge anyone to sort of write a release themselves. You can always send it to our staff, which is only editors, and they'll review the press release and get back to you whether they think it's good or there's some room for improvement. So I really like the idea of people doing this themselves because you know your business better than anyone else. And you are really writing something in a third person that's objective. And you don't have to be a great writer or a wordsmith to make it work. Actually, the best press releases are those that are just very simple and straightforward. Yeah, they're not like writing pieces or masteries or anything. They're just relaying, hopefully, factual information, it sounds like. Right. Got it. Now, what does it look like in terms of client wants to engage you? Is it something where they're just doing one-off press release do you advocate? Or is it like you you should be on a rhythm of one a quarter, one a month? Or what does that look like? Because I imagine not all press releases are always going to give you results. How does that work? And what's your opinion on that? Right. So I always say... If you're going to consider press releases, you know, commit to a campaign of four to six releases. It might take you four to six months to do that. It could take you a year, maybe even a little bit longer. I do say that for a PR campaign of four to six releases, try to get it within one year so that you're building the momentum and trying and testing different uh, strategic releases. Because if you spread it out to a year and a half to two years, it's really hard to set, you know, it's like a moving target if you're, you know, not being focused within a, a, a certain time period. Generally, you're looking for wins and those wins you either can try to replicate them by writing on something similar, or you can just try something strategically different. For some people, you can just keep doing the same type of release again and again. We have a client that does uh, surveys and studies across different verticals within the tech space. They do probably 30 to 40 surveys a year. And every single one of them gets on average 8 to 20 uh, articles written about them. And it's because they're really smart about asking the right questions that are relevant right now. While it's important to have questions that you know might be timeless, you can pick the ones that really matter right now and hone in on those. Uh, maybe write a certain trend within the industry. What are people's uh, you know take on that? That's information that uh, industry trade publications, websites, newspapers are really going to be interested in and you know, hopefully write that article that you're looking for. With us, there is no long-term commitment. Most people buy one release at a time. We do offer package specials and things like that from time to time so that people can get the prices down uh, a little bit. But, you know, it's it's one of those things that for probably less than, you know, $1,200, you can do four to six um, press releases if you're writing them yourself. And, you know, lean on my staff, you know, have them review your press release. If you get stuck, uh, you can always ask for help. And uh, I like empowering people to work with less and to try to make every dollar stretch because for a small business, you know, it's hard to spend money. And when I see people spend $59 on a syndicated press release that doesn't go to journalists, I feel like that's money that's just gone. So you want to make sure that uh, you're spending wisely and when you're doing a press release that's paid, that you're doing a strategic press release. The example you had mentioned before about someone being hired in a position are the worst press releases. They don't get any pickup. <laughs> you might get one trade publication and one local newspaper. And 
again, you can do the same model before for local business. Reach out to your trade publication, to the exact person that would probably write about this uh, person being hired, and you don't need to pay for a service like mine. If you're going to pay to use a service and go over a newswire, use meaningful strategic press releases that potentially have a likelihood that they could result in several articles. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, when I see those, I always scratch my head a little bit. Hey, I do have another question. You had mentioned SEO benefits potentially. Is that a conscious strategy for some people? Like, are they consciously and are they getting links back to their website where it's actually improving their search engine ranking? You know, many years ago, for a while, Google used to, maybe they still do this, I don't think so. But if you did do a press release on these news wires, you'd get like this just high volume of traffic for about a week on your website because it it came all at the top of the news wires. But it wasn't really search engine traffic. It was more of just like being at the top of the, the search feed, the news feed, if you will. Is that what's happening? Or is it more of like actual linking that they're getting kind of like link juice out of it? Do you happen to know? Right. Yeah, it's it's actual link juice uh, successfulness. Okay. A lot of people really flock to the syndicated sites that put your same press release on multiple websites, thinking that it helped your SEO. And people swore by it. Anecdotally, some people said it worked for them. They got a little bump and they appreciate it. But Google now, when syndication takes place, Google doesn't hate it, but uh, Google recognizes it's all duplicate content. The links are are unfollow links, so they're, they're not going to help you in any way. But if the New York Times writes an article about you and links to you, that's a unique article. And that's from a major news source. And that's really relevant and will help your SEO. In the example of the auto repair shop in Pennsylvania, they had been paying for a yellow page ad for years that included a free brochure website. And it went away. And all of a sudden, they didn't have a a domain name or a website any longer. And so they put one up. And they were looking for a way to rank quickly. And uh, their SEO guy said, if you can get links from auto industry trade publications, they're really specific for your industry, you'll rank very quickly. And so they reached out to me and I said, if you're looking for auto industry trade publication links, you got to be newsworthy. And uh, we went through a questionnaire and I came back with saying, it's really the only way you're going to do this is with a survey or study. Either that or be really contrarian uh, in your industry and say some stuff that's a little bit, you know, not quite over the top, but really makes waves. And most people aren't comfortable with that, understandably. Right. So we did the survey and it worked really well for them. Within three months, they were ranking number one in their community when people were doing searches for a website that was brand new uh, on domain name that was brand new and never had any traffic or links before that. Now, budget. Can you share? Are you willing to share? Just if someone comes to you and you said, "Hey, let's," you know, I want you to do four to six. I think this is increases your chance for results. What would you tell someone to set aside for budget to do it? I would say probably realistically around sixteen hundred dollars. You could probably do it as little as twelve hundred dollars, especially if you bought a package as you came in as a new customer special. But I would say sixteen hundred dollars under. $2,000 definitely to do six releases with a service like ours. Each release would go out nationally over a newswire. It would go to the appropriate trade industries and you would, you would have that opportunity. At the end of that, you would know whether PR worked for you because if they were all misses, then you know either it didn't work 
or it didn't work then. And I feel like that's a really proper PR campaign. And you can decide at that point whether to move on or brainstorm for something that's more exciting and newsworthy. That being said, I've never had a customer do a survey or study and get more than 200 responses and do a press release and not get articles written about it. Never had it happen. There might be one down the road where someone does a survey and a study and sends it out and no articles get written, but so far it hasn't happened. It's my uh, lucky, most strategic idea for a press release. And you know, it does not take a lot of work to go to SurveyMonkey or Google Forms and you know have some questions and some responses and fields. And then you just collect it and uh, you know figure out what was the most interesting or aha moment in the survey. And it was like, wow, I couldn't believe that like 67% of people in our industry right now believe that it's not a good time to invest in marketing. And uh, I can probably come up with a really great quote as to why this is happening right now. You know, while everybody is optimistic, there's a certain reticence of people not willing to spend right now. And, you know, here's a, a sentence or two that I put in a quote as to why I feel this is happening. And uh, all of a sudden, that's the structure of a press release coming together. You might want to highlight one or two other questions. I always say, you might ask 20 questions or 15 questions in the survey, probably only the responses for two to four are going to make it in the press release. You can certainly link to a page on your website where you have all the data for all the questions. But I do think it's important that you review and come up with what you feel were the important responses and highlight those in the press release. And again, you can certainly probably do it wrong, but so far, everybody who's done it has been successful. And I want to clarify on one thing. When the reporter writes the article, are they just taking it straight from the press release or are they reaching out to you? Nope, not at all. So they're actually interviewing you. They're not interviewing you, but they're coming up with their article. So they may you know, see that you've mentioned three or four of the questions. One was might have been spending on marketing going forward because of the pandemic. It might be that, you know, overall they feel optimistic about the industry right now, but they're reticent about spending that marketing. So that's interesting. And then they might also say something else, but there's a link to all the survey questions. So the journalists will look at those and they'll decide what they think is the story. It might not even be what was in the press release. It could be something else. But generally, they don't use a lot of stuff from you know verbatim. They, they want to write it themselves. They're writers. And they're going to you know have a flourish or let them uh, be the creative energy for, for the story. The only section that usually gets taken out of a press release and not changed for obvious reasons is the quote. And, you know, if you have a really compelling quote, you want to make sure that you've got it in there. So it does a really good job of spotlighting you because, you know, they're going to have to say who said it and why that's important. And so it's a big plug for your organization or or business right there uh, through the use of the quote. How do you track knowing that someone wrote about you or, yeah, how do you, how do you do that? How do you know? That's the, one of the really difficult things. I have found for me, uh, using Google News and Google Web works well, but you have to use an additional feature where you set the date of the range. So you're doing a quote for a company name or a phrase that's in quotes, like a product or service or, or something like that, or it could be company name and survey. And then you go to Google Web and you do a date range from 
the day of the press release being issued to now. And usually look back, 90 days is average. You can get articles that appear after that, but most appear within 90 days. And if you look within that range on Google Web and Google News, you should be able to see most of the articles uh, that, that, that are there. It doesn't catch everything. Unfortunately, there's a lot of uh, news sites that don't get into Google News, but they are on Google Web for some reason. So I find that you have to do both and, and compare. There are clipping services. And uh, they can be really good and they can really pick up everything. And they can even pick up TV and radio and podcasts and things like that. They usually start at two to $3,000 a month. And as I said, you got to look at it for three months. It doesn't make sense to, if you're a small business on a budget, to spend $6,000 to try to track your clippings. When I said you could do all this for under $2,000, you know, you really don't want to spend that much money. So I find that that picks up most everything, the Google web, the Google news search. Uh, if a client's doing really well, I'll also check Bing just to make sure there's nothing that got, that didn't get picked up and Bing news and, and Bing web search as well. But I think that that picks up quite a bit and it works really well for our clients because, you know, they're small businesses, they're on small budgets. They certainly can't afford to be spending thousands of dollars for for tracking the clippings. Sure. Frankly, I mean, the initial investment range that you suggested, it's pretty nominal to test this area and see what type of how it can help your business. I mean, you can rack up a $2,000 bill on pay Google ads or Facebook or whatever pretty quickly and have nothing to show for it. So that's pretty, pretty nominal. I do want to change topics. I wanted to talk a little bit about you know, 22, 23 years being in business. I'd love if you could share with us just some of your ups and downs over the years in your business. If there's any stories you can share that we can kind of learn from. And I'm sure there's some people out in the audience that can resonate with some of the challenges you've had. Sure. So I would say uh, one of the things that I recognize and it took way too long was... <laughs> Uh, I'm not a great manager of people. I tend to micromanage. Sure. And I would go to these mastermind roundtables that I had in the marketing world uh, that I paid money to, and they would do a hot seat of my business. And I would complain about how I was having all these labor problems and that my staff, I'd hire these editors and they wouldn't to say things the way I wanted it said or position the way I wanted. And finally, one of the people there who was a HR consultant said, Hey, Mickey, I don't offer this service, especially for a small business, but as a favor for you, I will interview your staff and I will help you create an ad to attract the right person. And hopefully we can get the right people in there. So she interviewed everybody. She looked at the customer uh, reviews that we had. And she said, the one thing I've discovered is your customers believe you have great customer service and they love the people and the treatment that they get. And she goes, the only person that's not happy with the staff is you. And uh, you have to trust that they're going to do a good enough job. They're not going to say things the way you would say it as a marketer and everything else. And you just have to be able to you know, realize that that they are good and you have to trust them. And I was surprised at that. And at the time, most of my staff was leaving within one to two years. And so I agreed. And then I couldn't help myself. I would get up after someone's having a phone conversation and walk over to them and say, really never say that again. You really want to position it as this. And finally, in April of 2015, I said, the only way this is going to work is for me to get the heck out of here. So I left <laughs> 
my my business. Uh, the office is still there. I have someone who was one of the editors there that everyone looked up to become ma- managing editor, and they're doing a great job. And the business is thriving, and people believe that customer service is good. And I just have to realize that people are not going to think of every phone call as a marketing opportunity. And what's the best way to position what you say? They're going to answer the questions honestly, and you know, get the information across. And they're going to do it in a thoughtful way. And that's good enough. And so that's been the biggest aha moment. I wish I had found out about that 10 years earlier. But uh, I eventually found out that I was hiring good people, but I was just driving them out. Everybody that was there when I left, except for one person, is still there. And that's been since 2015. Again, Nobody would stay more than a year or two before that. And now I've got people that have been there between you know four to six years. So it's definitely made a huge difference in the business and I'm keeping people and they seem to be happy. And there's the people there don't even remember the old angry Mickey who would just <laughs> breathe down the back of their neck and uh, they just never felt comfortable. Trust me, Mickey, I, I speak from experience here. They do remember. <laughs> 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 they just are happy it's no longer around, right. that, that temperament. But yeah, I appreciate your candor and openness on that. I think we all, I think that's actually probably one of the biggest things business owners have a challenge with is, you know, we're just so darn good at what we do and it just, it's worked and you've done it for years. And sometimes when other people do it, approach it a little bit differently or not up to the level that we see ourselves being able to provide it. And that's just hard to reconcile. But the good news is once you do like you did, it kind of opens up your whole world to being less hands-on. And, and um, you know, just I think it takes a lot of stress from you too, hopefully. So cool. That's great dialogue. Hey, I'm about to wrap up here. I got one more thing for you. Do you have any advice for us whether it be business or personal, that you can kind of give us a little tip today that we could take away and maybe make our life better or our business better? Yeah. One of the things that I do in my business is split test. I started with split testing sales pages, but I split test everything. I actually had someone tell me, I used to send welcome boxes to people who became new customers with wacky stuff. It had Baltimore crab seasoning chips in it and all kinds of little quirky stuff. And, uh, I sent it and two people over a period of a few a few months said, I thought it was unprofessional. Mm. And it came across as just sort of amateurish. And rather than be offended, I said, well, I'll split test it. So I spent six months segmenting every other order. One person would get the welcome box. The other half would get a uh, book with a professional letter welcoming them to the business. And it was a relevant book having to do with press releases and PR uh, that I had written. And after six months, we measured the lifetime value of the customers. And then we continued to track them for over two years. And the people who got the book and the professional letter, the value of each one of them was almost double what it was for the people who just got the welcome kit with the fun stuff. And so, you know, the people who said that were right, that uh, it it did set an impression that, you know, while it might be true to my culture and fun Mickey, it wasn't appropriate for people who are looking to do press releases. And so I feel like that's been a huge success. I also split test pages that are just on the website. What would a headline change mean? What would a different image on the site mean in result to conversions? It may take a few months to get statistically relevant information, but there's lots of opportunities to split test things in your business. And over time, lots of these little incremental changes, a 10% 
5% lift here, 5% lift here can really mean be meaningful. I've doubled and tripled my business by just lots of little incremental changes and little things that I do in my business. So I, I say split test as much as you can and try to find little wins throughout many parts of your business. Yeah, that's gold. I mean, that's uh, there's actually a couple of good things. One is the split testing, but I think the other really big point is, you know, we're always thinking about hitting a, a grand slam or a home run, and the reality is, a lot of times to be successful, it's really not that. It's those singles and incremental improvements that really make the difference. So, wow, two pieces of gold there. I love it. Hey, absolutely loved talking with you today. I, th- I think you uh, just bring a world of knowledge in this press release area. I'm excited to watch the masterclass and learn from it and and hopefully continue a conversation with you. So you have the masterclass. It's at ereleases.com slash plan. Once again, ereleases.com slash plan. You can check out the masterclass there. Is there anything else you want to share in terms of Mickey, if someone wants to reach out to you, talk to you, anywhere you want to direct them, anything you want to end with? Yeah. If they visit ereleases.com, all my social media is on the lower right. It's my direct LinkedIn. It's a great way to reach out to me uh, directly. I do check uh, those from time to time, at least two or three times a week. There's a uh, chat on the website and phone number. The only person you'll ever talk to is an editor. We have no salespeople. There's no commissions. They're empowered to tell you whether we feel we're a good fit. And again, we're willing to look at your press releases and get feedback to you. Won't be immediate, but you know, usually within 24 hours, we're able to get back to you with some ideas for changes or whether we feel it, it, it works really well as it is. Very cool. So I'll put all your information in my show notes. You can find it at thinktyler.com. Links to the masterclass, links to your main page, social media. I'll put that all in there. You know, I can't thank you enough for being here today. I think you educated me and the audience, all of us, quite a bit with press releases. I think there's an opportunity here for us to explore them and see how they fit for our business. So thank you so much. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks, Mickey. Take care. That's all for this episode of Think Business with Tyler. But we have plenty more resources to help you in your pursuit of business excellence on our website at thinktyler.com. If you'd like to be featured in a future episode of the show, feel free to reach out to us on social media at think underscore Tyler. We look forward to helping you think life, think success, and think business. Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. matters. Deep Leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric Acid.